1: Welcome to Spinrate presented by Tops. Check out Tops Project 70, celebrating 70 years of Tops baseball cards. That's right. This is Spinrate, the Athletics Toronto Blue Jays podcast. My name is Drew Fairservice and we are so so, so excited to be talking. About your Toronto Blue Jays here after what was, if nothing else, a memorable and successful return to baseball in Toronto at the Rogers Center in front of a group of, uh, needless to say, diehard Blue Jays fans. I wasn't there. That's why it's important that I, that we go to the source, the person who indeed was there. She is there at her seat. Says the Athletic on it. <laughs> Caitlin McGrath covers the Toronto Blue Jays for the Athletic. She is the co-host of Spin Rate, and, and it is my pleasure to welcome her in right now. Caitlin, how are you?
0: I'm great. I'm great. Very refreshed from a weekend out of my apartment. Three straight days that I've been out of my apartment for the first time in a really long time. Um, so. Yeah, lots to talk about from this weekend.
1: Lots to talk about, lots to cover, lots to write about. I'm sure it was a refreshing, but probably a tiring weekend. So many stories, because not only did the Blue Jays return triumphantly to Toronto, it was also, of course, the trade deadline was Thursday, and the Blue Jays were not idle. We recorded another episode of Spin Rate on Thursday night, me and the Zoobs, and we tempted fate, and we lost. Uh, because we the blue dudes had made a minor move uh the day before the, the deadline and then lo and behold they in fact made a big move at the trade deadline so caitlin recover uh, recorded a quickie baseball podcast with uh, tim uh tim mcmaster which you could hear which has actually been attached to the to the the episode that we recorded but So much fun to talk about, so much fun, uh, just a great weekend for Blue Jays fans, for the Blue Jays players, and for people like Caitlin who got to see some of her friends, I'm sure, from the beat, people, your colleagues and and peers, people you haven't seen for a long time. Like a big old family reunion down on Blue Jays way.
0: Yeah, that's a fun way of putting it. Like, (laughs) it was... um, it, was, it did feel like that. Or like, I mean, I think the way that I described it was it felt like the first day of school, um, that feeling of like, you know, you've been away from the summer. And although this was a lot longer than just a, a two-month summer, um, but it felt like, you know, I'm getting ready in the morning and I actually had a place to go. And then the night before, I was like, what what outfit should I wear tomorrow? <laughs> My first Jays game in 670 days or whatever it's been. And so, yeah, it, it totally had this like first day of school feeling where I'm going to see all my friends from the beat. I'm going to my desk and like, Oh, who's going to be beside me this year. Um, so that's, that's how I would describe it. It was really fun, but I mean, it was also a crazy, busy, hectic day. I mean, for me, it was like you said, it was a trade deadline as well. And like, you know, I, I think that I didn't, almost anticipate how busy it would be. I guess I sort of prepared for it as best I could, but it was like going from like, you know, zero to a hundred in the sense of like, I've been working from my apartment, which yeah, I'm still working hard and I'm still writing, but just like when you work from home, like as everyone can maybe relate to now, it just has like a, a, you know, a different, more relaxed kind of feeling you're in your own space and you don't maybe feel as rushed or, or anything. And so, um, going from doing that for like a year and a half and getting so used to doing that to all of a sudden being sort of on the ground, reporting again, being sort of pulled different ways because, you know, first half of the day I was reporting out the trades. Um, like you said, the big trade, especially for Brios. And then the second half of the day, it was like this sort of, uh, you know, energizing emotional like return to Toronto for the city and for the Blue Jays and for you know even the reporters as much as it's not like you know the whole saying is like no cheering in the press box or whatever but it, we were all feeling very emotional during that um you know opening ceremonies the pregame ceremonies um I, I thought from a production value standpoint It was really well done. The players were sort of joking the next day after like, oh, did you like our like, you know, high school football entrance, (laughs) the way they were like running in with the, they had these like balloon columns and they were running through the column of the healthcare workers that had lined up. And I, I mean, I loved it. Like, you know, maybe, um, it, it. I think when the players were hearing the plan they or like, okay, well, let's see how this works. And then when it, when it happened, we were all watching, it was like, this is so perfect. Like the, it couldn't have been better. I just, I loved every part of it. Um, and you know, I, it's hard to even really describe like what it was like watching those and being there, like just the, the cheering was nonstop. And then it would just be like loud cheers and yells. And then it would sort of morph into like a, Uh, let's go Blue Jays chant and then there would be more cheers and it would just morph into this like Blue Jays chant and it was like you know you could clearly see I mean on the TV like you know Charlie looked like he was barely hanging (laughs) holding on Um, and you know Bo and Vladdy I I was looked up and saw them on the screen and and they looked like they were holding back tears a lot of players were really emotional Um, and I'm not sure that they were necessarily even prepared to feel that emotional like I I don't know that you can prepare to feel that way so um I mean let's let me ask you like what was it like watching on tv because um of course when you're there you're so immersed in it but I imagine even on tv it came through really well
1: it definitely did it was you know you try to be Cool, or you try to be ironically detached when you, when, when you, and that's been your, your whole like persona, uh, when you're me for a long time. But like, I definitely got caught up in it and there were definitely some emotional moments. They did a good job of like striking the right balance. Like, they pulled out all the stops and there was nothing. It was one of the, the sort of situation where nothing was off the table. There was nothing that you, they could do that would be too much. That would be too yeah. maudlin or too over the top. You know, there were times where it maybe came a little close and When they, I swear to God, they, they, so they, they, they were doing those promos, the coming home promos, Mm -hmm. and then they reached back in the vault and pulled that old like 2000 and what year is that? 2011 uh, coming home thing that they had done with the, with Puff Daddy back in the old, like Puff, Sean Combs, whatever. I'm not sure his, his artist name these days. Um, but they they had, that was a song they used for like really effective promos for terrible teams with uh, you know the, the Ricky Romero and 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 Travis Snyder and all these other guys and the, those promos were great to the team was sucked and someone made a joke and someone actually made i think on reddit made a cut they were like let's i'm going to make one playing that same song and it's a ter- it's a goofy song, but like uh, it was effective. And then watching watching them all run out on the field with the with the they've got the healthcare workers and they're <laughs> yeah. fly, flying the flags and they they got the home at the plate and they have home plate lady who they're like and now welcome to the field home plate lady <laughs> she and got a huge cheer like one of the loudest
0: cheers was for her <laughs> just
1: so cool and and. When they ran them out on the field, it was funny. It, it, the funniest part, like, it was great, and, and it was fun. And it was good they did it instead of trying to, like, introduce them one by one yeah. or anything like that. But the funniest part, the thing that made me laugh, was that they had Charlie Montoya, like, leading the charge. <laughs> so there's Charlie Montoya, he's 55 years old, and he's out there like, you, like, kind of skipping along. And I'm like, you know, get in the back a little bit there, Charlie. We know what he means. <laughs> but but uh, it, it was terrific. It was really really a lot of fun. It was very, very effective. The fan impact, almost those fan impact videos. Shout out to Leslie Mack who featured prominently, you know, a lot of Jay's Twitter folks and just, uh, you know, they, 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 they definitely, they did as good a job as anyone could ever hope for them to do. And I think as a fan watching at home, uh, you know, a fan or whatever you want to call what it, what it is that I do, um, I was definitely affected by it. Um, and just really thankful for the people that were there. They seemed like I had a great time. The Blue Jays played along. The Godforsaken Royals played along. They, even the Royals put out a video on their social that was like, welcome back. Which was like, oh, you know, it's one of those things where you're in the mood and you're just giving out likes on Twitter here, there, and everywhere. It's like, here you go, Kansas City Royals. You can have a like, too. Like, you've, you've, you did the right thing. But it was great. It was just, it, you know... I don't know what they could have done differently that would have been better is kind of how I would say in terms of the, the TV package, which I think was probably reflected inside the stadium on mm-hmm. the, on the jump. Yeah, look, I could probably do without the gigantic flag and like the military and whatever. That doesn't do anything for me. That was a bit of a, bit of a, like a, like a stopper. But I mean, you, you gotta do the giant flag. That part I was like, okay, come on. Like you know, let's, let's keep the focus on, like, if you, if you want to run out with a, with a, with 500 more nurses and doctors and things like that, maybe that was the time for that too, as well. But that was the only thing that I was, that made my eyes roll again, the ironic detachment, it dies hard. But like, but uh it, it other than that, it, it was just, it was terrific. It was, it was so good. And the energy was good from the fans. And then you know, I, I got little things on TV where, where, Obviously, they had the all stars like Vlad Bo Teoscar mm-hmm. and Mark Simeon. were going to go and catch and this you know, little like real life live TV moments where you can see them staring. Bo Bo and Vlad were, were like staring, and their gloves are on the ground. And they're staring at the, whoever's kind of doing like stage managing, and they were waiting. <laughs> and, they, <laughs> and they and then they got their gloves and they ran over when it was time because they announced them and they were like, well, you know, All Star MVP Vladimir Guerrero Jr. And everyone's like, ah. they lost their minds, and it was terrific. It was it was really 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 good um it was just a really fun thing to watch and if sports are the place that so many people are kind of like placing their feelings here we are here you know 18 months into a global pandemic one that you know is still scary and still real and and has affected so many lives in so many real tangible ways and people are feeling all kinds of wild shit if that was the place that we can have a healthy emotional outlet uh, it was done. It was an, it was effective in doing that. It was an effective uh, a place to, to, to store and to vent those feelings. And I don't think anyone would ask for anything else. Mm-hmm. So it was great. And, 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 you know, in the end with the game, uh, I, I'm, I'm going to ask you, what do you think about this? I think based on all the things that went around it and then the win and the energy coming off of the off of the trade deadline and stuff—that this will go down as one of the most memorable games in Blue Jays history. I truly believe that.
0: Yeah, I mean, I will certainly always remember it. And you know, I was saying before um, we hit record on this that like it had this feeling like they can't lose this game. Like it felt like it would it would not commute uh, compute that they would lose this game. Like it just felt inevitable. They had to win. It almost felt like the Royals should have just been like, you know what? You know what? Let's just hang back guys. Like let's let them have this <laughs> one because the Blue Jays had to win that game. Like there, there was no way. And I, I honestly think like, you know, I don't know that cheers uh, and a home crowd um, advantage necessarily makes players play better, but I certainly think that it can shift momentum in a, in a game. And I think it can sort of like maybe energize players and and maybe that can sort of have some sort of impact, but yeah, like the, you know, every player was getting, um, cheered so loudly. And that really is the first time that they have felt that sort of unanimous love from a crowd in a really long time. I mean, Buffalo was pretty good to them, but Um, you know, it could be spotty there. You could have some mixed in fans where, you know, they weren't cheering for the blue Jays, the Yankees and the Boston series really, really was tough on them. And so this was the first time where they were just, you know, had every person in the building rooting for them. And, and every player was just, you know, every player got announced and everyone would just erupt in cheers. And of course, you know, the, some of the guys that are just like the, you know, the all-stars, the marquee players on this team, but, my goodness when vlad anytime vlad did anything it was like mvp chance every single time he came up to bat the weekend of course which didn't happen on sunday because he had his first day off um in a very long time but every time he came up to bat mvp chance and um it's it's nice because uh all the sort of key guys hit a home run in this, in this first uh, three games, except for Vlad. And so Vlad mm-hmm. hit a home or sorry, hit a ball to very deep center field. It was like, you know, a few feet from going out and the, it was so loud in there. Cause it really looked like it was going to go out. And I just, I tweeted something like this, like the, this building is going to explode the minute a ball goes over the fence from Vlad, because that is just the one thing that these, these home um, team fans are waiting for. Like they've seen the bow uh, home run. They've got their team back. They've seen George Springer hit home runs. T Oscar hit a home run. Simeon hit a home run today. They're just the one last thing. And Santiago, I just want to, caught a ball with his bare hand, which by the way, we haven't even talked about that. That was like the most, I, you know, there's, there's sometimes when I'm at the stadium and I'm especially at that point in the game, and I may be looking down at my computer and sort of, you know, trying to finish up a story or whatever. And, and but I, I so happened to be watching because I wanted to see the final out of the game, and I'm watching that, and my vantage point was pretty good because I'm out in left field, so it's, I'm I'm towards third base side, and I was like, did he just catch that with his bare hand? Like I couldn't believe it. Like I could not believe like what? Like it was just the most hilariously fun way for that game to end. like I couldn't even you couldn't even come up script a better ending for that game you know what I mean like it just was like the most dramatic fun crazy way for it to end it was like of course why not I think I think Dan Schulman actually said that on the broadcast I was listening to call and he was like caught it with a bare hand because why not like how (laughs) that should be the way this game ends so Yeah, to answer your question, uh, I think it is going to be a memorable game.
1: It it was – I tweeted something similar on Friday night. I said this this game is one Vladimir Guerrero Jr. home run short of perfect (laughs) because it would have (laughs) – it would have blown the roof off of the place, which was still just hanging on by a thread anyway, because the fans were so enthusiastic. They were so ready to cheer. You know, the, the Kansas City Royals did not lay down and play dead, Um, but they are the Kansas City Royals in the middle of a rebuild. They traded, you know, Danny Duffy, which was it's kind of crazy that they, in fact, did that. Not crazy, but, you know, a guy with 10 and 5 rights, a longtime member of the team that they moved on from him, didn't trade Merrifield, but... Uh, they traded Jorge Soler. the The Royals are not great, is what I'm trying to say. So there was, it was it was a nice soft landing spot for a you know homecoming game like this for Alec Manoa to get back on the mound. Which again, we'll talk about that stuff a little bit more. But yeah, that Vlad a Vlad home run would have just been absolutely perfect. He of course did get the first hit of the game uh, for the Blue Jays in the bottom of the first inning, uh, and and you can really just see the that you know I was at Vlad's first game, and and there was so much energy and so much anticipation. Um, But now that he's just had this incredible series this season and is kind of realized, you know, become, you know, the final version of himself or this version of himself that there's so much support behind him. Um, So, again, something that you don't necessarily get in Buffalo and Dunedin as a a function of the the, the way the building is built, those shots from behind, like the shot from like the high third base camera well. Uh, at the Rogers Center where it's just coming down and you see you're getting a lot of backs and there's, you know, people, you can see all the shirts that people are wearing and you see so many Vladimir, you know, so many Guerrero 27 shirts, it's tons of Bichette stuff, uh, a lot, a these lot, lots of Halliday and then I saw at least one Chef's kiss, the thinking, the thinking person's choice, which is the Brandon Morrow jersey, which is which real heads know. But just the the volume of of Lad stuff. It's just, he's a superstar, right? The Blue Jays have a superstar. He's a homegrown superstar. You know, there's, there's George Springer is a, is a star in the in the big leagues. He's achieved everything anyone could ever want, hope to achieve. But Vladimir Guerrero Jr. is already on another level. Bobby Shedd is on his is on his way there too. But and, and obviously, Bichette homered on Friday night, which again, just a just a the old like smash a champagne bottle on the side of the ship before it goes off just a just a really nice way to end that game but uh really and truly like i i i say that it's it's one of the most memorable um um, games in franchise history and and i i mean it i mean it's easy to be focused and this is this is how we're going to segue into the next section of this of the show um which is that Winning is winning is almost everything. Winning is is so important. It's important to be put a winning team on the field. Winning creates energy. Winning creates, um, you know, brings fans out. It it, it turns things from it's just being a night at the ballpark to something a little bit extra. But these a game like this is, a, is something that you will remember more than. Than a lot of games. You'll remember, you, you know, a lot of folks. I think have stand to remember this. This game has the game on Friday night has a chance to be even more memorable than some of than a than a given playoff game. Everyone will remember the bat flip game for for the rest of their lives. And and this game is 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 on a similar wavelength. I think that the the bat flip was a playoff game, but it was in the division series. They didn't win the World Series, and that's the kind of thing that you see online when people celebrate that moment. It's like, oh, and then what happened? Oh, they lost to the Royals. It's like, who fucking cares? Like. That we will live forever. And this game, uh, uh July game against a rebuilding go nowhere Kansas City Royals team, will live for a long, long time. And to me, that is so much what sports are about. That we can talk about transactions, we can talk about marginal value, we can talk about asset management, we can talk about prospects, we can talk about you know, windows and 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 the value of this player versus that player. But these are the moments I think that really makes makes people sports fans it's why people care about the winning because when they when the when the stars align in a twisted way because of what is it that provoked this moment this is the stuff that i think is so important and so like like this is what it's about this is why people watch sports and i really i i i believe that 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 even if the blue jays go to the playoffs this year which they just might um it's still this game might be the one that people remember from 2021
0: Oh, certainly. This is the game that, you know, we'll be talking about at the end of the season, I think, is like um, whether it's just a turning point of the season or whether it just is like sort of the high mark of the season that, you know, whatever happens from here on out, if they make the playoffs, if they don't make the playoffs, There will be um, this game will go down as like, well, you know, they came back to Toronto and that was a really important thing for this team and for this franchise and for this city. And for that reason, this is why that game matters. And I just want to add that, like everything you said was totally true. Um, I also think that they're because of what the team went through, because of what the city went through, not having the team, what the players went through there is almost a renewed appreciation for having a team and for being a sports fan and for the players having home fans. Like, I think that, Before all this happened to our world, you know, sports and having a team in the middle of the baseball team in the middle of the city was something that maybe we all took for granted a little bit because it just was here and it just existed. And, you know, baseball players, of course, they just sort of take for granted um, that they have home fans in their home stadium because that's just how things have always, always, always worked. Like who would have thought that a pandemic would happen and it would take a, a Canadian baseball team away from Canada for almost two years. Like no one would have thought that. And so I thought, you know, after the blue Jays announced that they were going to be coming back and Mark Mark Shapiro held his press conference with um, the reporters, just kind of talking about the decision and all that. And I think he made a point to say um, at some point, like, you know, no players and no team will appreciate their home fans and playing at home. More than we do. And it really felt like that, like seeing the emotion on the players faces, hearing them talk about how difficult it was to be away, the brave face that they really put on the last two seasons, um, you know, saying all the right things all the time and, you know, focusing on the task at hand on the field. Um, But it was really difficult for them to feel like they were the only team in the major leagues that did not have a true home. And I think the same thing for the fans is that it was very hard to be a Blue Jays fan when you weren't able to access the team and just having everyone back. It just felt like, you know, so it felt surreal to be there. It felt surreal that they were finally back after so long, but at the same time it felt so completely natural. And I found myself, sort of just falling back completely into my comfortable rhythm my comfortable routine like it was you know that like 2019 was yesterday and I had just been at the ballpark and I think that a lot of fans sort of kind of w- had that feeling as well it's like at first it felt surreal but then you kind of just shifted and it just felt like totally natural like of course you're at a ball game so that was really cool
1: one of the things that I think that we've spoken a lot or we, we, we as people talk about in general with the, with the, with the pandemic, with COVID-19 and the, all the loss of life and the change, the way the lives have been changed, you know, irreparably forever is the idea of getting back to normal. And I think that maybe there is an opportunity to not go back to normal, but to have a different kind of, of of appreciation for the small things in, in life, the ability to stand shoulder to shoulder with a stranger and high five and cheer for uh, a guy from Puerto Rico wearing a different t-shirt when he's playing baseball or a 21 year old Dominican millionaire that has like galvanized uh, uh thousands of people behind him because it's just, it's different. It's not just watching baseball, right? Maybe that a little bit of, of absence, that little bit of separation allows us to appreciate just like, the 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 joy that is in this inherently and that it that we can find that joy hopefully more regularly that we don't have to go back to just the soup of the day and and kind of rather rather rinse repeat as we go through the the motions that there is so much opportunity to appreciate and enjoy the things that we do when we're talking about watching baseball and 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 using this as a as a holding place for our feelings and all that sort of stuff i hope that that I, I'm, I'm going to do what I can to, to try to appreciate it and the opportunities to talk about baseball for fun and to do all this sort of stuff that that uh, isn't is. There's no guarantees. There's no guarantees, and no one gets this, You know, no one gets to to do this uh, just because they want to. So, just a really great uh, a really great weekend. We'll be right back with more Spin Rate. But first, check this out. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone. The group that came back to Toronto and that took the field even here on Sunday looked very different from the team in 2019 and also at the beginning of the season as the Blue Jays made a number, not, not a ton, but a very impactful move, which you and I haven't spoken about yet. And that is, of course, the acquisition of Jose Barrios, right-handed pitcher, uh, I guess I said, from Puerto Rico, who uh, previously played for the Minnesota Twins, but now plays for the Toronto Blue Jays, a, a big deal. Not a free agent until the end of uh, of next season, so Jose Barrios, by all accounts, will be in the mix for the Blue Jays in twenty twenty two as well as twenty twenty one. Came at a pretty significant price, um, but maybe maybe not the same price uh, that that it seems. Maybe the sticker. There's a bit of sticker shock on the price, but I think that seems like it's a definitely um, a price. I, personally, uh, as a person who has, and they're not my prospects. Uh, I have no skin in the game. I'm willing to pay the price of the blue Jays paid, uh, you know, with at the, at the risk of rehashing what you and Tim chatted about, what do you think about the move to acquire Jose Barrios?
0: Um, yeah, it was, well, it was almost like what we talked about. I think the last time that we, you and I gathered and we sort of came to the agreement that the best move for the blue Jays would be to do, um, to make a move that touched on now, but also looked a little bit ahead to the future. And so that sort of, addressed exactly what that is like they get them for this year get them for potentially some playoff push or, or you know that hopeful playoff push for this year but also it really gives them a leg up on building their rotation already for next year because they're going to have to build their rotation because Robbie Ray and Stephen Matz will both be free agents so there's some openings there that they'll have to fill so that um obviously helps them a lot you know that I think that Ross Atkins sort of played down the starting pitching market and with, with reason, like it wasn't a deep market. Like there was like Max Scherzer who was like the number one rental, but then, you know, sort of after that, it was really Burrios. And then there were some other names that were floating
1: out there. For example, who was moved Mm -hmm. um, with a, again, um, the sticker, the price, you know, what, what the return for Kyle Gibson and Ian Kennedy was a, was a, not unlike the price that the Blue Jays paid, I don't think, in that it was a uh, a prospect who had maybe had some shine come off um, his name. But uh, but if you know you can I can spin it, and, and that's I think this is the thing that that sports fans do. I don't mean to to cut off your point here, but uh, but like the Blue Jays gave up a lot to get Jose Barrios. but it is a it is a move as you've just suggested that I, that I definitely agree with um, benefits them now and ended in next year because. I don't know. Jose Brios is really good.
0: Yeah, he is. He he looked really good today or on Sunday, which I'm sure we'll talk about in a minute. Um, but yeah, it was a really good fit. I feel like, you know, he's not an, an ace, but he's also kind of the exact pitcher that the Blue Jays need. Like they already have Ryu and, and Ray's kind of pitching like an ace this year as well. And um uh, Brios just comes in and he really slots in really nicely behind Ray Rio as a really consistent solid number 3 one of the you know trademarks i guess of him is that he's been exceptionally durable um over the over um basically since he was an established um starter and i think 2017 or so um and you know, durability in terms of making starts every year. I think it's something like he's made probably like at least twenty five um um in every season uh, outside of twenty twenty, which where he made like all twelve of the starts or whatever and and he's on track this year to continue to make um more than more than twenty five starts. Um, he went six innings um, on Sunday he's pretty consistently went six innings, um, this entire season. And so that's what the Blue Jays need. Like that is just, you know, music to Charlie Montoya's ears, knowing that that he's going to have a guy every fifth day that can give him six solid innings. Um, and you know, a, a good control command pitcher. He his his breaking stuff looked really great. You know, actually I don't, you know, I hadn't seen a ton of him. I don't, really watch a lot of twins games so um you know I, I wasn't entirely familiar with him but he looked really good on Sunday I thought it was actually kind of a, a good test for him because he was playing the Royals the Royals have seen him quite a bit obviously being um formally in the AL Central and it looked early on that he was probably battling some nerves understandably so and also just a team that actually has gotten to him a little bit in the past he came in and um the Royals had kind of hit him pretty well coming into this. And so, um, but he made an adjustment. He was throwing his curveball a lot. It was working for him and he was mixing his pitches, which seemed to be really effective for the final sort of four innings that he had on Sunday. And it's, you know, it's the Royals. They're not, uh, they're not a competitive team, but (laughs) six six shutout innings is six shutout innings, right? You're going to take that any day of the week, any
1: day of the week. You know, he is a uh, Barrios in a lot of ways is an ideal acquisition. I think for the blue Jays, because of what he presents, not only, in 2021. We don't even need to talk about 2022. That's obviously great. The Blue Jays are, are have very serious uh, intentions for 2022. But the acquisition of Burrios for 2021, the price that the Blue Jays paid, I think suggested they're not. They're the while the the road to the playoffs for the for the 2021 Blue Jays is is uh, difficult to navigate nobody in uh, in the front office or nobody in that clubhouse has suggested that the season is over mm-hmm. um, because he is ideal in terms of what he allows the rest of the rotation to do. If they want to grab some extra t- uh, rest for a, Player like Alec Manoa who pitched on Saturday, I'm um, having just come off the ten day injured list with a uh, what was it like an abrasion on his shoulder or something or a contusion know, it was fell like
0: a, just a bruise basically yeah.
1: <laughs> but if they need to kind of spell him to get him some innings, and now you're, if you're the Blue Jays, you're in a good position where you can sort of figure out what am I going to what are we going to do with. Uh, with Steven Matz and, and, and even Ross Shipley, who pitched well again on Friday night. Um, or, or, you know, Thomas Hatch and then God, you know, even if you, well, I guess they said Pearson's going to be in the bullpen for the rest of the season, didn't they? But, uh, but, uh, you know, it's just, he makes them better immediately. He m- immediately makes them better. It's a right-handed power pitcher who, who's not going to, st- I mean, he's had some great starts this year. I think there was a, was it a start? I, I might have watched against, um, was it might've been Corbin Burns or whatever. One of the two um, studs with Milwaukee and Perils was like pitch for pitch with him, just side to side, great outing. Um, But that he's the kind of guy that could give a, a lineup like the Yankees who before the trade deadline really right-handed and a lot of strikeout you know in their in their mix so with the acquisition of Anthony Rizzo and Joey Gallo the Yankees aren't quite in that position anymore but at the same time even 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 um, the Red Sox are are really right-handed as well so if you need to win those games you've got another guy who can do that not that you wouldn't take your chances with Ryu and Robbie Ray against those teams, but just another, uh, a really good pitcher that just can slot right in. Now, I don't know if you want to talk or what you and Tim talked about, about the, about the giving up uh, uh, Austin Martin and, uh, and uh, Simeon Woods Richardson. There was, again, I said the word sticker shock earlier. There's a lot of that because of where they ranked on like preseason, you know, top 100 lists or preseason Blue Jays top 10 prospect lists. I think that's, a foolish and short-sighted way to evaluate this trade, but either way, you know those are those are pitchers with uh, prospects with a lot of future value associated in them. But at the same time, the the versions of of, uh, of Austin Martin and Sean uh, Richardson that were traded today or this week were not the same guys that 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 were ranked in those spots in February, for example.
0: Yeah, and so um, a, a few points to make. One is that. I think that there was a little bit of shock in terms of the price. And that's also because we as, you know, baseball observers and fans have gotten really used to, I think, more buyer friendly markets. And there's just been a lot of prospect hoarding over the last few years that we, I think it just became sort of um, natural or understandable to, to, Assume that teams would not be parting with any really top prospects. And that changed a little bit with this deadline. We saw teams actually going for it a lot more and moving top prospects. Like the Yankees really pushed all in to get Gallo. And I know initially there was like, oh, they didn't trade any of their top prospects. But of course, there's flaws in that because a lot of people were looking at these preseason rankings. But then I think, um, you know, Baseball America came out and actually put out their midseason rankings of the Yankees prospects, and then it, it the trade did look a lot, you know, more expensive. I think two of the players were at least top ten mm-hmm. in the Yankee system, and then there was two more. Um, so, so just kind of understanding where the Blue Jays were coming from, it was also just a reflection of actually what the market really was this year. And it it sounded like the twins were asking a lot. And then around them, they see other teams asking quite a lot. And those asks were being met. And so then if you're the Blue Jays and you're you're seeing that happening around you, then you've got to go back to the twins. And then you, you have to say like, OK, these are sort of the prices that are being set this year. And, you know, if we want him, we're going to have to meet them. And I think that um that was just really the cost of doing business this year, it felt like. And, you know, another thing is that you're right that um i think that there had been um some I guess critiques or whatever you want to call it recently of Austin Martin. Just, I think, um, you know, Keith Law maybe wrote, the swing mm-hmm. didn't look like it had as much power. There was maybe some questions about that. I'm, I don't know that his stock had really fallen all that much. Obviously the twins still really liked him. Um, mm-hmm. Simeon Woods Richardson was actually having a bit of trouble in A this year. And then he went off to the Olympics. I'm not really sure how he's done at the Olympics, honestly. But um, so, you know, maybe internally, the Blue Jays obviously have more information than anyone on these players maybe internally they they did fall a little bit down the depth chart i would assume so if they were willing to part with them the other thing we have to consider is who maybe not who has fallen in regards to martin and woods richardson but maybe who has risen right so like Mm -hmm. Aralvis martinez obviously we've been hearing about him constantly because he was i don't i don't know how he did this past week but the previous week to this he was on a tear. He
1: hit everything. Just he hit, hit everything hit, out of yeah, the ballpark.
0: Exactly. So, you know, you have to assume that he's kind of, um, raising his stock, uh, what Gabriel, um, Marino did and the, um, first half of the mm-hmm. minor league season, you know, he looks like one of their top prospects now. And um, you know, they still have Nate Pearson, uh, Jordan Groshans. I I would have to assume that, you know, maybe he's a guy that the blue jays really like or want to hold on to, or he's maybe he's just the guy the twins didn't want as much. you never, you know, you have to also assume mm-hmm. the twins were asking for certain players and um, and you know the Blue Jays were sort of trying to negotiate within it, but um, I did I did hear um, or I, not here I read our, our my colleague or um, Dan Hayes in in Minnesota did write in one of his pre trade deadline stories that the you know of the teams that were interested in uh, Barrios uh, the, the Twins particularly liked the idea of dealing with Toronto because they really liked their prospects in their farm system. And and that's credit to the Blue Jays. And I think we've talked about that. Like they Mm -hmm. have a good, they have a good, well-regarded farm system. And that's actually going to help you at this time of the year, when you are a team in that transition, you are able to sort of move the prospects to make your major league team better. And if you are well known around the league as a good um, player producing team, then, then other teams want to deal with you more.
1: Mm -hmm, Absolutely. And I think that the thing that that came two things uh, that I that I've been thinking about quite a bit, and I don't want to take too much credit from other people who maybe I'm cobbling their ideas together. Number one is the idea of the way that prospects change their valuation, or the way that they perform, changes the view of them within the within an organization, and then within the industry. Gabriel Mourinho was, I believe, the 98th on maybe Baseball America's top 100 or Baseball Prospectus. He was just eked his way into the top 100 preseason. Now, you know, tons of helium has shown he can hit at a more advanced level, you know, hit for power, all the different things such that if you were a Blue Jays fan, would you be happier if it was Mourinho versus Martin that was in this deal? Because the the preseason rankings, one was 98 and one was Fifteen or sixteen or whatever, twenty three, whatever he was. No, you wouldn't. That would be that would that would be a, a much more uh, a much bigger price to pay. The other thing is, is something that I've seen some folks talk about, which is that there was a lot more movement in, in prospects that are probably not what you would consider like blue chip prospects. So if you're, if you're listening to this and you're, and you're not familiar with like the kind of 20 to 80 scale, right? 80 is the best. 80 is as good as it could get. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. has like, you know, Jeff Paternostro and I talked about this a few weeks ago. When you're looking at him in terms of uh, evaluating his hit tool, his hit was in, Jeff said he should have done an 80, an eight hit, eight power. Rare. Not a lot of people have eight power. Joey Gallo has eight power. John Claro Stanton has eight power. Vlad has eight power. That's it. Terrasca Hernandez got a ton of power. It's not an eight. So guys like him are on top the kind of untouchable prospects that you would never want to move. Mm -hmm. But guys maybe who have a little bit of some more question, higher risk factor, you know, like an Austin Austin Martin, who um baseball America changed him from a 55 future value, they had moved him down to a 50 um in the span of the season. A guy who, because of the because of the pandemic, didn't play a, a an inning of true professional baseball until this season. So obviously a 50 future value is still a very good prospect. There's a very good chance that someone who's as athletic and someone who's able to get on base and put the bat on the ball the way that 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 Austin Martin can, that's a, a guy who has a really good chance of being a good big leaguer it doesn't mean that he's a sure thing it doesn't mean that he's necessarily a future superstar which isn't a criticism of of Austin Martin it is the kind of thing that maybe you think about when you're like I want to improve my team right now I need Jose Barrios I can I can offer them a Jordan Groshans or an Austin Martin if I'm talking to the twins and if they like Austin Martin and they want him to be part of the deal then maybe that's what I'm going to do because there are questions about his, maybe his power. There are questions about his future defensive home because he's had a little, maybe some struggles throwing the ball, playing shortstop or playing center field. Again, not to say that he's not going to be a good player one day and not to be, you know, which, which is, which I'm doing. I'm obviously doing it. Like, oh, he's traded, didn't like that guy anyway, but <laughs> you have to give to get. And while the two players of the Blue Jays gave up to get Jose Barrios have bright futures, have, a lot of future value associated with them and the, and the way that they've been scouted and evaluated, it doesn't mean that they were untouchable pieces. And there was a lot of fans, folks that I saw on like Reddit, for example, that were freaking out over the, over the price that the Blue Jays paid and freaking out over what they gave up and couldn't believe that they would move Austin, Martin, which again, he has a great chance to be a productive big league player and maybe an everyday player on a, on a good team, which for anybody is like an incredible achievement. But that's not a guy that I'm stopping from moving, right? You know, Vlad and Bo. In, in, in when Christian Yelich was being traded from the Marlins, they want the Marlins wanted both, and even at the time. You know, when when in, when, when Stoughton and I were in the show, it was like I would have traded Bob Bichette for Christian Yelich, and maybe that makes me a fool. Christian Yelich had obviously amazing seasons, but even then, I, like a player like Vladimir Guerrero Jr., a player like Wander Franco, a player like uh, Adley Hutchman, uh, uh, so, I mean, Rutschman, I can never remember his goddamn name. He plays for the Orioles. He's just cursed anyway. Uh, those guys are like that's a, those that, those guys are off limits. But if you're t- talking about guys who are maybe in a fifty, maybe in a fifty five. When you have a good farm system like the Blue Jays, you can kind of build those guys up and you have those guys where you can trade one and keep another and you have your own, the the players that you want to, that you would love to see stay in your organization and in a perfect world, you can get them all. And that's what the Blue Jays have done a great job of doing, frankly, which is keeping their prospects and getting good players by giving them money. And which is, which is, which was something the Zoobs and I talked about last week, which was like, they acquired Hyunjin Ryu and the acquisition cost was nothing, just money. They acquired Mm -hmm. George Springer, the acquisition cost was nothing, just money. They've had, they've built up this pool of players and they've been able to turn them, not turn them, A, turn some of them into productive big leaguers and B, exchange them for very productive big leaguers to make the 2021 team good. And, and I think that that's not the, not a bad way to move forward. Again, all the best to, uh, to, to Austin Martin, whose name I almost say is Aston Martin every single time. <laughs> and Simeon Woods Richardson. Uh, if they are great players for the Twins, that's awesome. Again, that all that does is solidify the fact that the Blue Jays are able to produce good players. Help their team. Help your team if you want to make a little bit of a deal here in a, in a, in a coming July.
0: Yeah, and to your point about you know using money to sign players and bring them in, totally that's you know a strategy that blue jays have done well the last couple years but also they were fairly rich in prospects and it was about time that they started spending that too and so i you know i did hear some people say well why didn't they just sign another starter in the offseason then they wouldn't have to trade these guys like why didn't you just sign taiwan walker or whatever and it's like well one like the team is operating with a budget like they do not have unlimited amount of money and so they calculated that the best play for them in the off Season was to go after impact players like George Springer and Marcus Simeon. I think that's worked out pretty well. They made a sort of low-risk, uh, high reward bet on Robbie Ray. It's also worked out really well. Um, but you know, then there's other ways to acquire players and spend sort of like resources um that's not money. And so I think that this was sort of the time that the Blue Jays had to start trading from their really rich um farm system. And, you know, kind of to go back to what you were saying before, it's Uh, still kind of moving Austin Martin at his close to peak value, right? Because one more minor league season and, you know, maybe some other sort of um, things pop up in in the swing or whatnot. And maybe he does fall a little bit. Like that's certainly like, you know, as you say, hope for the best. I hope he's a great player. The Blue Jays hope he's a great player as well. Um, But that's also the case too, is that you can see prospects, Ball down lists too, and then they don't have as much value. And so I think the Blue Jays were real, really moving those two players at their peak value. One thing I was thinking about is that it's actually quite crazy if you think like two years ago, the Blue Jays flipped Marcus Stroman to the Mets for Simeon Woods Richardson and Anthony Kaye. And now just two years later, they've flipped Simeon Woods Richardson and brought back a controllable starter um, in Burrios, which I was thinking, like, in one way, maybe you could have just kept Strowman around.
1: <laughs> I think was that every day. <laughs>
0: <laughs> because then you kind of, I mean, Burrios and Strowman, obviously, they're different kinds of pitchers. But I think, like, in terms of, like, what they give a team, like, they sort of are kind of the same mold and that they are sort of really solid number two, three kind of arms, depending on sort of the skill of your rotation. <laughs> but, mm-hmm. you know, obviously, there's different reasons why the Blue Jays um, did what they did in 2019 and, and did what they did. Um, this this season but uh overall you know good move I, I haven't got a chance to talk about Brad Hand um and i thought that was also i guess you guys talked about that with the Zoobs did that happen
1: we did but it's it's another example of the of the identical thing where the blue jays had built up a glut of catching mm-hmm. depth riley adams who's not austin riley who plays for the atlanta riley adams uh did himself you know played really well in triple a this year got a shot at the big leagues didn't go that well but the blue jays have options in that position they he was surplus to requirements Mm -hmm. in terms of the blue jays plans not that he's again not going to be a serviceable big league catcher but they didn't have to they they could move on from him and be no worse for wear in terms of their on-field product the on-field team now the on-field team into future, into the future, as well as still having valuable-ish players in terms of Danny Jansen and Alejandro Kirk, um, as well as Mourinho, obviously, but who's probably moved himself out of this category of a guy that maybe you could move again if you're looking to make the next impact trade, where again, the Blue Jays' timeline is now. They have a good team. They're blowing people out. They are top five or six in run differential, which a lot of people are going to get sick of hearing because I, I understand because they're not they have a winning team they have a winning record they're not some you know the mired five games below five hundred but you can see that there's a lot here that a move like Barrios obviously we spent so much time and I spent so much time whining and moaning and, and wishing longing for for Joey Gallo would have been still would I would still have loved to have seen that acquisition. They could have done, you know, ideally they could have done both, but uh, you mentioned it as well. Some of the players of the Yankees traded had a lot of helium. Got Ezekiel Duran, um, increased his, his, his value, made him, made a lot of other people in the industry believers and the, and the Roy, the Rangers opted for, for bulk. So maybe the Blue Jays couldn't have got those, both those deals done. Eh, we'll see. But they're, they're in a good spot to make a move like, like with, uh, with Riley Adams acquiring Brad Hand, who, Makes this team this year's team better, and mm-hmm. and if the Blue Jays are in a position where they're like, boy, I wish we still had Riley Adams, a lot of things mm-hmm. have gone sideways um, in terms of uh, the the on field catching situation. So, not that not that he doesn't have a chance to be a good uh, power hitting big leaguer, but Brad Han can make this team this year's team better, and uh, I think he's already done that.
0: Yeah, and like. Um just one last, i guess one last thing on the trades is that the the bullpen they've really rebuilt it um and you know that's it's not an impossible thing to do in season because the bullpen ads generally can be the easiest ads to make because there's just so many relievers and teams are always willing to move them. And often teams might be willing to move them, even good ones like we saw with the um Trevor Richards deal with the Brewers that the Brewers needed a guy like Rowdy Tellez and the Blue Jays needed a guy like uh, Richards and they just made that swap. And it was a really sort of a beneficial trade for both teams. um And so, but, you know, I've been really impressed with the the sort of, rebuilt bullpen it looks a lot better now um i was i also was talking about um the saturday game before we started recording with um simber and he looked really good he he was really fun i i don't know that it was fired up he was was fired up
1: he was snapping on saturday afternoon just banging his glove and yelling and let's go he struck out the side in the ninth inning and there's fifteen thousand people losing their minds who wouldn't be adam simber is not made of stone
0: yeah. And like, I I think one of the things that's fun about it is I like, do you think fans sort of appreciate um, side armors. Like, then it's been a while. Maybe I'm just forgetting, but I feel like it's been a while since the Blue Jays had a, a pitcher like him that threw that way. Um, and I so can't, I
1: can't remember one that, I mean, I think Tyler Clipper used to like drop down sometimes. Yeah. But, but it uh, wasn't
0: quite as extreme. And no, so. God, not a
1: knuckle scraping guy like that. Like, yeah. A lot of folks, well, older folks, are going to remember, think about guy, uh, a player like Mark Icorn, for example. Simple, but, but uh, not, not not novelty has a lot of value when it comes to attracting attention. Be like, whoa, look at that! Did yeah, you see where
0: that? <laughs> exactly, dragged
1: his hand right off the ground. That's amazing. Yeah. and he's and he's effective, and mm-hmm. and it's part of a of, of he is part of a uh, the Blue Jays looking to do what a lot of teams have done. Following, I'm not going to say the they are not following the race model. The following the Giants model from the 2010, 12, and 14 World Series where they didn't have big-armed goons throwing 900 miles an hour. The Giants were really good about throwing guys like that, different, ar- different arm angles. They had Javier Lopez, left-handed side armor. You know, they came at you from all over the place. The Rays have done that as well. The Blue Jays are in a better position to do that. They they have they have some guys that throw hard, but they've got Simba who doesn't throw hard. They've got Joaquin Soria, who's 37 years old, doesn't throw that hard. But and he throws the, strikes. He throws strikes. And he's had a bit of a challenge keeping the ball in the ballpark, ballpark this year, um, which I think playing in playing in uh, Arizona can do that sometimes. But the biggest thing I think with a, with Soria, who we haven't really spoken about, who was acquired for two players to be named later, uh, which could be anything, um, is it Soria's floor is higher than Anthony Castro, for example. Right, Anthony Castro had some great outings Mm -hmm. and was like, and then because of the Blue situation, Anthony Castro got rushed up the ladder and suddenly pitching in like pretty high leverage. And then, whoop, Anthony Castro's not really throwing strikes. Whoop, everybody knows that what is if if they're able to pick up his slider early, they know it's not going to be in the strike zone, so they can lay off. Not that again, he had some great outings and maybe he can figure some things out and 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 be another member of the bullpen. But when you start to stack guys who can be at bare minimum effective. Also can maybe you can enhance their effectiveness by throwing them at you in from different places in different ways. You've got a bunch of different lefties coming from different spots and different perspectives. You get Baraki throwing 97 out of the, out of the bullpen. as long as you can let him face only lefties, uh, you've got Brad Hand, you've got Tim Mesa, who's just unbelievable these days. <laughs> yeah. You've got Romano throwing a hundred. You've got, you got a lot of guys. You got Simber, you got guys that can get outs and then each having this many or uh, more good pitchers it starts to move the 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 guys with more question marks kind of more towards the periphery which that's how you make a, bit, a better bullpen in the big leagues in my mind
0: right and like today was sort of a real um sign of that is that they were sending down um taylor cesedo and it's like he pitched really well like he he really won, really he well he had earned a spot on the major league team for sure but this was just a matter of he had options and he, he has, you know, he has to be the one that gets sent down because they just have to fit these guys on the team. And same goes for Thomas hatch. I mean, he hard luck for him that he made one start. He was fine in that start. It was obviously his first start um in the major league level in quite some time. And just a matter of like, they, you know, they required two pitchers and they had to put two pitchers on the major league roster. And so two guys who had options had to be sent down. But um yeah, like I, I think that, uh, you know the I've, the bullpen is um, you know it's it's still going to be uh, somewhat of a difference maker I guess in this in the rest of the season because I, I think the offense is what it is they're, they're, it's going to be a strong offense I think the starting pitching looks a lot more reliable now and if you look it back like you, uh, everyone's had pretty good starts in recent um, weeks um, but the bullpen is always just somewhat of a unpredictable area of the roster just because it's you know it can can things can happen what do you what is this face i'm making a
1: crazy face right now i'm gonna ask you a question Caitlin mcgrath you have uh this is the last point about the bullpen and, and the pitching which again so so good to see uh the blue jays address an area of need uh both in the <laughs> short term and the long term how many relievers have the blue jays used in 2021 Caitlin mcgrath
0: Ugh you know what? These are some, these are things I usually look at and I don't think I've looked at this. Well, probably upwards of 20.
1: The Blue Days have used 28 relievers (laughs) in 2021. That, that includes, uh, I I will say that does include Ross Stripling who made one uh, relief appearance technically, but, uh, Man, there's a lot of names on here. Kirby Sneed and Jacob Barnes, who got DFA'd uh, after being, uh, being acquired, uh, which, you know, it happens. TJ Zoik, who plays for the Cardinals now. <laughs> Anthony Kaye is on the list. Jeremy Beasley, Travis Bergen, Trent Thornton, Carl Edwards, Patrick Murphy, you know, even Ryan, you know, Ryan Baraki, who's, who's pitched 18 times for the Blue Jays out of the bullpen and, uh, has had some, uh, hit and, hit and miss outings. You know, David, David Phelps, Phelps. So obviously a guy who was having a terrific season, was figuring to be a big part of the of the club, uh, isn't going to be able to make a, another contribution. Uh, Taylor Sacedo, as you mentioned, who is uh, maybe may out-pitching his peripherals a little, little bit, according to expected ERA. Uh, there's about a three run difference between his actual ERA and an expected ERA, but uh, which you know I think between him and like Joel Pyams, the Blue Jays have shown that. A
0: member of the Royals now.
1: Oh, yeah. A member of the Royals. I'm <laughs> shout out to Joel, pa- Joel Piamps. Again, he wasn't, wasn't the most beautiful uh, thing in the world, but he, uh, to me, I, I was impressed. I thought he looked pretty good, but there are some kind of warning signs in his numbers and maybe you can, maybe you can get something out of it. Uh, again, Kirby Sneed, who pitched twice, uh, and was interesting. Um, although apparently he's not interesting off the field. I, I, someone sent me some worrisome, <laughs> Tweets and likes and things like that, but anyway, they're in a much better position now.
0: And mm-hmm. I was going to say twenty-eight relievers is a lot, but it's I, a lot. It doesn't. It doesn't touch twenty nineteen when they used, I believe, twenty-one different starters <laughs> no. and, and thirty-nine different pitchers that season.
1: It, it is so crazy. <laughs> I think the Blue did a lot more uh they did more openers that year didn't they in 2019
0: yeah but not by choice just because they didn't have anyone like i think that was like the year of the famous quote where like charlie said something like god this is i I, I can't remember who it was it, it might have been poor edwin jackson
1: oh but it was of, like, like hung him up to dry a little well, bit well <laughs> it was like
0: you know why did you let him start again and it was like charlie's like we didn't have anyone else. <laughs> like, and it was just, and, and, uh, but yeah, that was uh that was a season where I remember, I think it was TJ Zoik started, he came up, he got called up at the end of the year. I'm pretty mm-hmm. sure he was like the 21st different starting, I think it was 21. I might be getting the number wrong. I wrote that number a thousand times that season, just counting up and up. Um, so I feel like it's somewhat ingrained in my brain, but it, of course it could be. It
1: Could be wrong. I think we just have used 14 different starting pitchers so far in 2021, mm-hmm. including Travis Bergen and David Phelps, uh, who were uh, openers, um, Tommy Malone, <laughs> yeah, who p- pitched well when he did uh start, and uh, Nate Pearson, who I can only assume was an opener because he only uh, threw two in the third innings. Uh,
0: Nate
1: Pearson, yeah, yeah, he must have been an opener, otherwise, why wouldn't he pitch longer into the game? More spin rate coming up right after these words from our sponsors let's talk about some other stuff about from this weekend again a great weekend so we did this before you and i the blue jays kicked the living hell out of the texas rangers and we were like here they come here come the blue jays (laughs) and then they had to play some good teams and it didn't go quite so well and now they've done it again they swept kansas city what did they only allow three runs over the three games scored a whole bunch hit a bunch of home runs None more uh, noteworthy than the performance of George Springer, who is, uh, well, he turns out the kind of guy you might want to give a six-year contract worth, uh, what, $150 million to? He's real good, and he is looking really nice at the top of the order. Uh, obviously, last weekend, when the Blue Jays were in New York, made that amazing catch in center field, but uh, uh, D- and DH'd here on Sunday, but uh, not much more you can say about Springer. Um, Just looking the part, playing so well, and, uh, and leading the charges will have a lot of fun. I think that was the other thing, something we haven't talked about here on Sunday, which was you, you mentioned it earlier about Vlad Jr. getting his, uh, the day off and then just going crazy with the home run coat yeah. running around. Yeah. They had to tape him to the bench at one point because he was just. Uh, then later in the game, he's. I mean, the Blue Jays were up five nothing, but it's not fifteen nothing. And there's Vlad moving the infielders around, Wasn't giving he them doing, their he instructions. Was doing
0: the, he was doing the wave with the crowd. He's doing the
1: wave. <laughs> My God, Uh the, the Blue Jays are having a lot of fun, but uh, for good reason because they played so well this weekend and 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 did did what they need to do. There, there's no other. There's no substitute for what the Blue Dudes have to do, which is win games. They have to win games. They're not going to win every game. They're not going to sweep. Yeah. Uh, spoiler alert! I'm going to go on a ledge and say they're not going to sweep Cleveland this week, but but they got to win as many of the games as they can, and uh, and with George Springer swinging the bat like he is, with Bo Chet swinging the bat like he is, with Vladimir Guerrero Jr. being Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Marcus Simeon hit a home run, um, Teoscar Hernandez hit a couple home runs, looking good in the number two spot. I I I, I love Laden number two, but I could par- probably be coerced. Into thinking, maybe you move Oscar to two, Vlad to four, Bo to three. I could get in. I can get into that. But uh, you know, what? What? I'm sure that there was a lot of uh, attention given to George Springer this weekend, and I'm sure that I don't know if you. I don't know if you're still doing Zooms or if people are. What's the availability like? But uh, what do you think about what you saw from George Springer this weekend uh, against Kansas City?
0: Yeah, he looked really good um, this whole weekend. He seemed really excited also like the rest of the guys to be in Toronto and, you know, talking about the f- the appreciation. He was getting really loud cheers and everyone's finally seen sort of the guy who um, was supposed to be the impact player for this team. And he really has been uh, the last few weeks. Um, he's done the part. He's done everything. He's looked really good. I mean, it's it's actually cool now to like, be there and witness it and hear him when he hits the ball and and Mm. witness it like so actually like I think it was it was a Saturday game. Sorry, it's all blending for me. It was a Saturday game where he hit the two home runs, right? Yes. Yes. Yeah. So the first home run he hit, um, he hit it to left field. And like I said, the press box is in left field. And so actually I saw the ball, like it landed quite close to me. um, And like a little boy caught it and he was so excited, but you could see like the way that George Springer hit it. Like he was kind of mouthing, like stay fair, stay fair. Cause actually if it went foul, it would have taken out one of us reporters because it would (laughs) have come right in there. Um, But yeah it was uh yeah, he looked really great. It, it was it was fun to see everyone and Marcus Simeon also looked really good this weekend as well. I thought especially Sunday when he hit the home run. He's hit 25 home runs. Um, pause to think about that because his career best, I think is that 2019 season. I believe it's 33 home runs in a mm-hmm. season. Um, I mean he's got two months um now to hit what eight more home runs to tie that. I mean, he's, he looks well on pace to have a career year in terms of home runs hit. Um, and uh, yeah, so like they all looked really good. They all looked energized. So I don't energize. Sorry. Um, You know, I don't, I, I feel like I, maybe I brought this up before and you were kind of like, man, I don't know about that, but I do think the crowd and being home has given them somewhat of a lift. And I do think like, it's not that I don't think that the crowd makes them better players. Like they are who they are. They're going to hit if they're going to hit, they're not going to hit, but there has to be something said for just momentum or just having like an access of good vibes, just flowing through that dugout to the point where it feels like um, that, that um, baseball cliche, like hitting's contagious. It just feels like the good vibes right now are contagious on that team. And like, everybody's feeling good about themselves and everybody's, Really looking good. I think most of the Blue Jays. I don't actually know this. Maybe I should have looked it up. But I think almost everyone got a hit at some point over these three games. It looked like everyone got in on the action a little bit.
1: Yes, that sounds about right. Kevin Biggio didn't play Friday, Saturday. did did in fact um, uh, did in fact play then on uh, on Sunday.
0: Oh, he didn't and- get a hit, but I think he got he got a walk. He got. He, a base. he played. He,
1: yeah, I, I, th- I, I thought. Uh, yeah, I may. Maybe I misheard you in terms of, uh, of, um, of uh, uh, what I thought you said. But uh, yeah, he got a. He he played, and I think everybody got in the lineup. You know, Reese McGuire got to play. Alejandro Kirk caught, played both Friday and Saturday, and um, and then I kind of yeah. Blue Jays DFA Jonathan Davis. Something we haven't talked about, which is kind of a shame. We were kind of stumping for him at the beginning of the season. <laughs> Seems like one of the, the all-time nice guys. Um, and then everyone is rooting for him, but just hasn't really had the opportunity and, and hasn't taken it when he's gotten it. But uh, yeah, it it, it was it, it's a it was it's a great lineup. It, re, it really is. Like there's no other way to kind of get around it. The Blue Jays are have a lot of. They're going to score a lot of runs. They have Marcus Simeon. I I think the Marcus Simeon might be on his way to having like one of the best shortstop seasons in in team history.
0: But he's not a shortstop.
1: Sorry, middle <laughs> infield seasons. Let me let me say that.
0: Um,
1: he's not a shortstop. He is a shortstop. How dare you? Sorry. Uh, I'm his agent now. He's a shortstop. <laughs> Pay him shortstop money. <laughs>
0: uh, he's a shortstop at heart. He's a short. His he's a shortstop playing second base. Let's put it that way.
1: He is so Aaron Hill hit 36 home runs in 2009, which will which would class is the uh, the most prolific home run season in uh, among blue Jay's second baseman
0: so he's gonna flirt with that because like I said I mean he's at 25 right now
1: he's got what well, he's got uh, 60 games to hit 12 more which is uh, you know no mean feat he's done he's done better than that um, previously but uh, you know so far this year but he'd have to kind of stay on stay on the same pace which isn't isn't necessarily an expectation but either way It's, uh, you know, we're talking about, again, one of the great, uh, one of the great, uh, in middle infield seasons in terms of, if you want to count him as a shortstop, which I don't think that I do, but I could, he's only got to pass, uh, Tony Bautista, Tony Bautista. That's a 24 home runs as a shortstop for the, what year was that? (laughs) 1999 Blue Jays. I would say this. Well, you you know, you and I have talked about this and I don't know, disagree. We don't do a lot of that on the show, but, uh, I don't think that the that the fans necessarily can kind of give the players a jump, but I think that the thing about baseball is that there's such a grind and there's so much routine and every day is the same. So for something to make a game stand out such that such that the players sit up and take notice that like this is a little bit different, then I might be able to get behind the idea. And that, that's I would say this weekend, Friday in particular, uh, was that. That that's the, this is the kind of game where things are different and, and the players are going to take notice. Not because like, oh my gosh, my routine has been has been has been uprooted, but there was a lot of opening day energy to it. Mm-hmm. But it they have op- the it, it, was, it was opening day. It was like
0: a home opener.
1: It was a home opener, but also for only one team, I think. That's yeah. sort of the the mute the magic of it. Where the Royals, it's the dog days of August. Technically, today they're on pace to lose whatever, 90-odd games, and they are the Royals. So it's just another game for them. And if anything, it was like, well, now we've, we haven't had to go through customs in a year and a half, and now this sucks. <laughs> we had to go go through all this garbage that, that they don't like to Probably do.
0: Probably even more rigorous right now because they're you're traveling during a pandemic.
1: So uh, that could provide a bit of a pep in the step. Have, <laughs> yeah. them, have them maybe set up and take notice. Have that bit a bit of pregame jitters or a bit of pregame energy that uh as you said it sort of suggested with jose Barrios, um that uh maybe a little bit of nerves but a uh, more excitement than nerves which is maybe they kind of you baseball players want to combat that they're not they're not trying to be nervous and trying to be excited it's all about the work and the prep and just kind of day in and day out and play appearances and prepare yourself but uh nothing can prepare you for uh, for something you haven't experienced which i think this this was a home opener like no other And, uh, so if that's what, if that's how we're going to class it. So, so, uh, maybe that's the kind of thing that can help them, uh, to sit up and take notice. Yes. Anything else from these games? Alec Manoa pitched really, really well Mm -hmm. on Saturday. Uh, again, I think, I mean, there's some Royals stink in this, but it's (laughs) great to see Manoa out. Now, maybe not throwing quite as hard as he had been, but again, really effective. His slider that has been, uh, you know, such a great weapon for him. I I was really impressed and continue to be impressed by the tilt that he's got on his slider, really getting a lot of swings and misses. um, And just looking, looking the part um, of a guy that the Blue Jays are going to count on for years to come to get a lot of outs and to throw really well. I don't know if, what was the kind of chatter around the nose outing on Saturday?
0: Yeah, that it was very impressive. And the Royals um, really just couldn't get a, good read on him I think that he Mm -hmm. has um, maybe his delivery is a little bit different or different sort of um, hard to get a a clear kind of understanding of what he's what he's doing which is an advantage obviously for him actually um, Marcus Simeon said something really interesting today where he said that the way that Barrios pitches with, you know, using breaking ball and has this uh, pitch mix, he said that actually he thinks that Alec Manoa will learn a lot from Barrios because they're kind of similar in the way that they um, get out and can deploy um, things. And so I thought that was interesting, like that. Uh, that's another way that Barrios can make an impact with the, um, the team is that, you know, he's just another sort of, talented pitcher that can help the younger guys um you know obviously uh Manoa uh especially but also like when Nate Pearson's a different type of pitcher but you know you never know like the knowledge can spread around um but yeah I think the thing with Alec Manoa was really good is that you're right the velocity was down but he is uh He's a pitcher, and I, I know that sometimes people say that, and I'm like, "What? Well, he's a pitcher. Of course he's a pitcher, but I mean, like, he can pitch, and that he doesn't necessarily need the velocity to just blow guys back um, he can spot his pitches. You, like you said, he's getting a lot of swing and miss on the slider. That's an effective weapon for him. And so if the velocity's down a little bit, he's going to go up there and battle. And actually, he said like someone brought up the point after and t- to your question before, yes, we still have to do zoom after game because we don't mm. have clubhouse access, but we do have field access. So we don't do pregame zooms anymore. Mm-hmm. We we do, we do manager on the field and then you can talk to the players on the field and, um, however you want or you just approach them but after the game we do zoom because we don't go downstairs um but um back to my point is that he was saying on the zoom afterwards that he didn't even actually realize his velocity was down like he just Mm -hmm. kind of was out there pitching and and so he doesn't ever go out there relying on the velocity so i think that's why he doesn't notice it and i think it's not necessarily concerning it could just be a matter of the fact that like the la- like he hasn't pitched in a while and the last time he pitched he was pitching in a sim game so the adrenaline wasn't there so maybe it's just a matter of like just a little bit out of that rhythm and, and you kind of have to build that that velocity back up I don't think it's actually anything concerning and I actually think it's not Fatigue thing, and and actually Montoyo made the point that the injury in some ways helped with the workload question because it, it's actually given him some extra rest now to the point where he's in the rotation for the rest of the year. There's not really a question. Oh, of, good. There's not a question. I part- didn't know that. Yeah, like I mean, well, I mean, anything can happen, but right. but like um there, there's no, there doesn't sound at, at least that there's any immediate plans that they will have to back off or start, you know, like maybe sitting him for a start and, you know, maybe calling a guy up to make a uh, a spot start or anything. It sounds like he is ready to go. There's not really concerns about workload. So that's good.
1: That is good. And I, I like, I really, uh, I agree. And I really like the way that you described him as like a pitcher. Um, I think that that's something that.
0: <laughs> the descriptive know, like, term of pitcher.
1: <laughs> he is not a project, uh, I think is, is the point. And that's the reason that he's here, that he pitched at a high level in a very competitive college conference. He didn't have a ton of minor league experience, but you've we we've seen him do things that are pitchery, which is to say that he is not afraid to move away from pitches if they're not if they're not working for him, if he doesn't have a good feel. He might come back to them later on in the game, sort of just working in real time. And and you can you can see it um especially when you look at how he attacks like lefties and righties and however else you might, you maybe want to kind of parse it a little bit where sometimes it's like not, the, not able to get the sinker to the outside corner against lefty. So I'm going to move away from it. I'm not going to, I'm not going to throw that as much. Maybe I'll throw more change-ups, the, you know, this week, which, which he kind of did in, uh, in his, uh, in his previous start where he you know he he threw more changeups to lefties than maybe he would have previously maybe he throws more four seamers you know because again he's if he's got that arm side command it's just all that stuff happens in real time and and i I I find it very obvious when I'm watching him because he's got four pitches and they're pretty discreet when you're watching on TV in particular. It's easy on TV to see uh this one moves this way. Okay, he's throwing changeup. Oh, this is a two seamer. It doesn't quite obviously move as much as a changeup, but you can really watch him him do that in 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 real time. And and it it was great. Again, I, I don't think highly of the Rangers offense. Um there are a, a lot of you know, Salvador Perez is a true delight.
0: Royals, Royals.
1: Royals, what did I say? Rangers? Rangers,
0: which you also, you also don't think highly of the Rangers
1: offense. It's just a reflex at this point. It's just like, (laughs) you know, muscle memory. But, uh, but I thought he, he was able to, to really just take advantage of the fact you can only, you can only get out the players that they put up in the lineup ahead of you. You can't ask them to bring in better hitters or let me hit, face the good hitters more than once. Uh, you know, Carlos Santana is, is not an easy out for anybody. Uh, Salvador Perez is having a terrific season. Uh, but I think that he, he uh, obviously, I don't, it's not a great revelation to say he pitched really well. Same with Barrios. And it's interesting to, to say that. I, I'm on um, his StatCast page right now, uh, Alec Manoa. And it says, similar pitchers to Alec Manoa based on velocity and movement. Um, the number two pitcher based on his velocity and movement is Jose Barrios.
0: There you go. Marcus Simeon knows what he's talking about.
1: There you go. Uh, we're going, we've been going on and on, but uh, real quick, I'll ask you mm-hmm. your question or your, your opinion. I know how I feel. Um, are we going to see the barehanded master himself? I want to send a shout out to John Sokolowski, who's a photo- photographer for a USA Today colleague of mine. He took an amazing photo of uh, of Santiago Espinal's barehanded play on Friday night. Terrific. I don't know if you can track that down, but he did a terrific job. I uh, also t- takes photos for Getty. Uh, he hates baseball, but is obviously a professional because he took some terrific terrific photos. But are we going to see more Santiago Espinal down the stretch than anybody else playing third base?
0: Um I yeah, it's a good question. I I think we're going to see a more even split I would go that far and potentially more one thing I think is going to happen in the near term is that when the Blue Jays play in this stretch of like I think it was like 25 games and 24 games is what I heard today um, that you're going to see a lot of off days and so that's when guys like Cabin Begio come in handy because you can move him around and so if absolutely if Simeon needs a day off then Kevin can play second base and then um, You know, we saw Vlad today needing a day off, and Kevin was playing first base. And Kevin can go in the outfield, and Kevin can go all over um, the infield as well. And so, per- perhaps you're going to see him move around a little bit more um, as we get down the stretch. But yeah, I mean, uh, Espinal's quietly putting together a really solid season defensively and offensively as well. He hit a home run on Sunday, which. Um, he doesn't hit a lot of home runs, but he He hit a home run. Yeah. So that was kind of cool to see. He obviously got to wear the, the coat. Um,
1: it was a little bit big on him, (laughs) a a little, a little big. It is, it is, I, one of my favorite things in the world is to see professional athletes wearing regular people clothing because you realize that they're all just truly enormous. (laughs) And then just watching these different size dudes put that coat on (laughs) and then you get to be like, Oh yeah, I don't know who they sized it for, probably the biggest one of the bunch, but because he's gonna be the one wearing it the most for one. <laughs> but you really just see like Santiago Espinal was like, you know, <laughs> Vincent and Daltman wearing that thing. It was pretty great. But uh uh yeah, he hit a home run. Who knew?
0: I think that's the second one as a blue jay.
1: It is, it is. Yeah. I think it's the second one in the big leagues. Is that yeah, true? Yeah, because his first it. one
0: was Happened was a few weeks. We- <laughs> yes, yeah, first one was first one. What has is- happened a few weeks ago? Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't. I don't think he's hit one since. So I think this was number two. Um, and so yeah, like he's been having a great season. Um, and well, we'll see. We'll see. I the, the only thing I would caution um is that in the next few days they're going to have another roster decision because Corey Dickerson will be coming back. Mm. Um, and so. Yes, Espinal has options, but the way he's been the, playing, the way he's been playing, I don't know that it would be fair to send him down.
1: Well, Valera is still around, right? He's still in the active. Yeah, roster.
0: but I don't think he has options. I think they'll have to DFA him.
1: That sucks, but also. I would say this. Um, goodness knows I've slandered Kevin Biggio enough times in my life that I don't need to do it again. Yes. His flexibility is an absolute asset. He is really struggling at the plate right now. Espinal's defense is such an asset. The offense is such that you could probably get away with having Espinal be the third baseman. And when these days off come, to which is when Biggio's true value shines through – you, I would love to see it as Biggio is spelling Espinal at third base, as opposed to them doing a tu- a true like job share, so mm-hmm. to speak. Such that you know, like like we saw today, even though there was a righty on the mound, Espinal's in there at third, and then Biggio's is able to fill in somewhere else. So if it's giving Vlad a day, if it's giving an outfielder a day, if it's giving Simeon. Or even allowing, if it's Bichette who's getting a day and then Simeon moves over there. um, I would love to see Espinal play third base until until this good fortune at the plate uh, runs out. Mm -hmm. If he suddenly has turned himself into a terrific hitter, that's awesome. I don't know that I necessarily buy it. But I'm happy to see him play third base because he is adept over there. And this Blue Jays run prevention machine that they have turned themselves into... You don't want to. Uh, you don't want to disrupt that, Caitlin. I didn't. I didn't do the, the the housekeeping off the top. You've been so busy and so prolific recently. If you don't pro-lific. read, Caitlin, prolific. You've been cranking it out. Look at your author page.
0: <laughs> I don't even remember what I've written. It's all a blur. Jose
1: Barrios' strong debut caps off Blue Jays' energizing first series back home. That was published a little over an hour ago. 10 more thoughts on a trade deadline that helped the Blue Jays take another step towards building a contender. I don't think that Caitlin writes the headline. I thought there's nothing wrong with the headlines. But you wrote uh, four stories, five stories since the 29th. What was that? That was Thursday. That's prolific. That's more the, That's more stories than days. So if you want to keep up with the prolific Caitlin McGrath, you want to subscribe to The Athletic, you want to go to theathletic.com slash spinrate, get yourself a tidy discount, let them know that we sent you. Subscribe to, the, subscribe to The Athletic. Read all the breakdowns of the trades from Caitlin and from, uh, again, the prospect folks, the Keith Laws. Maybe you want to get a better sense of the twin side of it. Uh, read Dan Hayes,
0: and, I believe. And is, Aaron Gleeman. And Aaron
1: Gleeman, of course, uh, 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 a longtime Twins uh, writer, former Hardball Talk, former editor of Baseball Prospectus as well. You can read all that if you subscribe to The Athletic at TheAthletic.com/slash/spinrate. If you want to subscribe to this show, you can do that wherever you get your podcast. You don't need to be a subscriber to The Athletic, but of course, we would love it if you did both. You can go just search Spinrate, hit us with a review, hit us with a rating, just uh, give us a thumbs up, whatever the options are. We appreciate it. The algorithm appreciates the engagement, and we do as well. So, I hope that everyone listening to this had an outstanding baseball weekend. I feel like if you're a Blue Jays fan, you probably had a pretty good baseball weekend. There's so much stuff to talk about. We could keep going, but...
0: We didn't even talk about the last stuff on your list, but we can do that next week, which was like looking around at what the other teams were able to do. But let's talk about that next week because that will be after the Boston series, and we'll be able to more concretely say where we think the Blue Jays stand in that wild card race and the division race.
1: I got my shovel. I'm all ready to start digging and burying the Red Sox. So hopefully, when next we speak, uh, from a fan perspective, I know Caitlin, uh, the, the impartial, no crying, no cheering in the press, press box. <laughs> Can't be cheering on the Blue Jays. Crying in the, I pr- can,
0: crying in the press box, but no cheering.
1: No, no sweat. They're not the same. You can, you can, I can kind of have a foot in both worlds and be like, you oh, here's some analysis, and also like, oh, I hope the Red Sox all choke. Uh, but uh, anyway. Caitlin, anything else you got? The prolific Caitlin McGrath, you got anything else in the hopper? Is is your story out now? And then you'll you get to reignite and have, reconnect and have all these these these, imper- these important connections, relationships. So excited to see what you've got for us. here coming through the second half of the season, Caitlin McGrath.
0: Yeah, I didn't really. I was mostly catching up with players this last few days. It was like seeing everyone for the first time, some ever and some in a while. So I didn't really do much formal interviewing this weekend with the players um but that will come there's time those stories
1: they all wrote themselves yeah you don't even need to but i'm excited to see what is to come and i hope that if you're a blue jays fan you had an amazing weekend and you're excited about what's to come in the second half of 2021 don't even worry about 2022 let's be excited for right now this is a good team that looks like it could be fingers crossed poised go on a little bit of a run. Her name is Caitlin McGrath. I've said it like a dozen times (laughs) in the last five minutes. My name is Drew Fairservice. (laughs) We'll talk to you on the next edition of Spooky.